We got coffee on the table, talking about friendships and the time. Welcome to Beans and Bros. Welcome, Welcome to, to Beans, Beans and, and Bros. Bros. Ooh, you held that note on longer than I did, Christina. <laughs> That's good. Next next time we got you guys, you'll just hear funny different permutations of <laughs> podcast name. But oh, yes. yeah, welcome. We're your hosts. I'm Zachary Lee. And I'm Christina Thomas. And yeah, Beans and Bros is a podcast dedicated to intentionally exploring the nuances and reality of friendship and shifting and changing seasons. Sweet. So as we normally do um, in the beginning of our episodes, I'm going to ask you, Zach, what are you drinking right now? Yes. No. At, per the title you know, of our podcast, guys, if you're a new listener, welcome. Thank you for going on this journey. This caffeine filled journey with us but also filled with much camaraderie friendships there we go yeah that's our new that's our new term of how that's our subtitle for this podcast beans and bros (laughs) caffeine (laughs) to really drive friendships fuel even better yeah guys really like scientifically proven listening to this is the equivalent of drinking you know like six espresso shots we're just that energizing so (laughs) if you're but you don't get the bad effects of caffeine so we're really just embodying all of the we're just better (laughs) i know better in every way guys really um (laughs) but to answer your question christina that was my side tangent ramble many of those more of those to come but i'll try my best to stay focused but i'm drinking this korean coffee called honey coffee uh original mocha flavor Ooh. And yeah, it's funny because I'm looking at the the box or the package now, and it's a combination of Arabica coffee and honey granules. So whatever oh. that means, but yeah, it's yeah, have... apparently. <laughs> what is Arabica coffee? I know. I hope I've been pronouncing that right. Okay, but I did do some <laughs> research. Arabica coffee is one of the first coffee spices to ever be cultivated and enjoyed in the first cafes in Turkey. You've been to Turkey, right, Christina? Or am I, I not? Again, you again making things up. I just I really think she she's this, she is a woman of international travel, my friends, truly. She's folks, we were talking about coffee. So it was I, back. back to it. But yeah, it's funny. So there's nothing really Korean from this description, but th- these are a staple actually in a lot of Korean markets. And I feel like part of it is the ease. So I was never really a big fan of instant coffee, but it's, yeah, it has the honey and creamer in it already. So you just open the packet, put it in, pour hot water, and it's creamy, it's very sweet, it's warm. So I really do recommend it, but yeah, Christine. Yeah, no, it's actually, I, you know, still kind of lactose intolerant. So it, (laughs) You know, it's not if they had a, an oat milk version, but I, I, I feel like I don't know I how don't Koreans would, be, would. I don't know how the Korean supermarkets would react to wanting to whole fairy oat milk version. This, but, yeah. Wait, but is wait, this like instant coffee? It is instant coffee, but it, yeah, it is instant coffee. But like the mm. creamer is somehow like in like it's made in powder form i don't really know how that works you Mm. science people out there send us a 
Yeah, send us a DM on Instagram if you know the if you know the story about how this is made. I don't know how you take liquid and just make it into powder. It's like I'm like I'm I'm like trying to chop it up. I'm like it's not it's not getting any smaller, guys. It's still wet, oh just gosh. like last time. But uh, what? <laughs> it's shower thoughts guys That's all it is, but. but you're not in the shower i know <laughs> i mean you don't know from where i'm recording this maybe i'm just it's just a slow drip wherever i am you never know uh, anyway, don't what? visualize anyway christina on to what? you what are you drinking brother how's it going i'm sorry i'm just processing through yeah, know, your entire answer <laughs> This is what happens when I get a microphone, guys. You never know what's coming out. Yeah. Um, so, guys, so um, you might be appalled to hear this, but I am actually drinking instant coffee right now. And actually, instant Ooh. coffee is super. Co- no. <laughs> that was so rude. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not one to talk. Um, no. But instant coffee is actually super popular in India. Yeah, and I mean, like, I've had coffee in India. I've had, like, my mom's coffee, my grandma's coffee. Um, and it all tastes so good, even though usually they used to make instant coffee for me. But there's also there's this specific type of South Indian coffee called filter coffee, which I've had a couple of mm. times. It's basically just this, like, strong, like, milky coffee concoction that's made in this like stainless steel container and I have no idea what the process is I just know that like Indian aunties and uncles like know how to make it and it's always delicious but I think like my favorite part about just like coffee is that like like I just like remember like every time we had people over to our house like my mom would be like oh like do you want coffee um like that's like one of the first things she asks and I feel like I don't know it's just like so symbolic of like true like Indian hospitality which I have appreciated more and more um over the past few years so that's what I'm drinking sorry to make it deeper than your answers no no (laughs) um but yeah instant coffee man underappreciated truly wow i know i take back every i take back all my booze that's really that's <laughs> yeah you better i know <laughs> i love no i love the like yeah hospitality component i don't know of like that that drink and how it's associated it's cool it can be associated with meeting other people you know we're having mm-hmm. guests over, which is really nice but yeah but yeah i know guys i'm sure if we with that intro kind of segue into the topic for today's episode but as you heard Christina and I touched a little bit more on the the coffee types that were are unique to our own ethnic backgrounds and cultures and that's because if you guys hadn't guessed it the focus of this week's episode is on multi-ethnic friendships and so yeah I know we haven't explicitly touched upon our ethnic backgrounds and you know maybe if it's a video series you can see our faces or you know bodies and you know maybe draw assumptions which you shouldn't do but you know yeah, can't help maybe that. at times but all you have is our voices right so we wanted to go into a bit more of our background here and explain a little bit like why we chose this topic you know mm, I'm Indian American I was born in New York City but my parents were born in India so they're immigrants from India yeah and I think this is like a super 
important topic to just talk through. Um, I think I've been blessed just but by being friends with people who are different from me um, in terms of their ethnicity. I feel like I've learned so much from my friends who are not Indian and Indian too, obviously. But I feel like there's like a specific beauty that people of different ethnicities bring into friendships. Um, and yeah, I mean, like we'll touch on this later, but it's just like, I don't know, just like a really beautiful picture of just like the kingdom of God and like God's family and the diversity represented there. And I mean, I love just like multi-ethnic friendships, multi-ethnic communities. Like I'm super passionate about that. Yeah. So that's part of the reason why I was like super duper excited for this episode. But yeah, Zach, um, what are your thoughts and feelings surrounding multi-ethnic friendships? Yeah, dude, no, Christina, that was great. I love that idea of like how, yeah, at least on earth, being able to be in a multi-ethnic friendship or community yeah it can be a glimpse of yeah what the kingdom of god will be like and it's interesting yeah so as i kind of mentioned before korean american so my mom was an immigrant she moved from tegu korea to the united states when she was young my dad was is also korean but he was born in the states and so i don't really know where that places me generation wise because i'm not Mm. quite like like i am I guess third generation, but it's different because, you know, it's like one, it's like my mom who was Korean married to my dad who was Korean American. And so that was, mm. that's its own unique and, and fun story there. So I, but yeah, ethnically fully Korean, but yeah, culturally still Korean, obviously, but finding my, my way around in terms of navigating, you know, life and all the influences that have formed and shaped me. But mm. yeah, this topic, it's so, I love it. I think it's so important. I, we'll get into this a little a little later when we you know interview our guest but I think growing up it was so interesting being like I think the one of the things I've always been thinking about is in mono-ethnic groups or churches or any spaces that growth can be a lot deeper right because there isn't a lot of the cultural translation that needs to happen but people can often miss each other's blind spots you know because we're all from the same culture and mindset and the beauty of multi-ethnic groups and communities right is that we're able to see the blind spots that we might have but growth can be harder because we're operating from such different worldviews even sometimes Mm. in terms of the way we see family or success or faith you know even and all these things so i'm just i think i'm not really coming in with a cynical mindset per se but I think I've been thinking like why like when it seems so easy so much easier to just be with people who just get you you know like mm. there is their goodness still or I mean you know the haha trick question there is right but like <laughs> you know exploring more of the importance and beauty even when it's hard and so yeah mm. I'm like and I think yeah you know even Christine and I's friendship like Yes, we're both Asian, but, you know, coming, you know, from different cultures and and backgrounds. And so that's just, it's just been sort of boring to learn, be present, you know, with you and vice versa, you know, hopefully vice versa. I don't know. It's okay. If it's just one-sided, that's fine. But, you know, it's, (laughs) it's been, (laughs) it's been good. No one-sided friendships here. (laughs) (laughs) But I, yeah, I I really appreciated that. So, yeah. Mm. 
Um, and yeah, before we introduce our guest, I just wanted to say this. Yeah, um, just to you listeners out there, we don't want you to feel any sense of shame or condemnation for not having multi-ethnic yes. friendships. Yeah, no that's shame. just like not where you are on your um, just like cultural journey or friendship journey right mm. now. Like we're not trying to say that we're better than you are for having not multi-ethnic friendships either. Like we are still sinful humans and we make mistakes in our friendships all of the time oh, yeah. um, but we're just like sharing from our experiences and just sharing about um, just like some of the beautiful aspects of multi-ethnic mm-hmm. friendships but as we mentioned before in our first episode this whole podcast is about exploring these topics and we are by no means experts um, so please don't think that we're the experts on multi-ethnic friendships mm-hmm. because that topic itself is so layered and it's so complex and there are so many ways we could go about talking about it but yeah we just hope you guys will be blessed by this episode and will be encouraged to um, just keep persevering in your friendships whatever they look like yeah, no, thanks for that. Any Christina. And yeah, and just that layer. Yeah, once again, exploration, not expertise. And so excited that you guys are coming on this, you know, journey with us. And yeah, I'm also excited because really, you know, I'll be taking a bit of a backseat for today's episode because I really want to focus on Christina and the relationship she has with our guest of honor today. And so yeah, I don't know, Christina. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> You see, like what I did there, a little play on words. But, um, but yeah, Christina, would you like to elaborate more? Who Who's the guest today? And yeah, what's, what's her connection to you? Yeah, I'm so excited for our guest today. Um, her name is Shanice. We've been friends for about five or so years now. Um, but yeah, Shanice and I have had a lot of heart-to-hearts on this topic um, recently, especially with just like, all of the events of 2020 and 2021, especially in terms of like Black Lives Matter and the increased violence against Asian Americans in this country. I think because of that, there's just this, this like elephant in the room, Mm, like every time we talk, like we obviously have to address it. But I think through that, we've also just had like, just like awesome conversations, just like talking about our own ethnic backgrounds and our own journeys. And I think it's been really enlightening. Yeah, thanks for that caveat, Christina. And also, as a heads up, while we were recording this episode, when we finished it, we realized we just had a whole bunch of audio and really great content. And it was, it's funny because we were thinking, oh, we should, we, this is hard because we'll have to trim down so much in order to make it a more palatable listening length. But honestly, listening back through it, we realized there's so much good stuff that Shini said and just wisdom that she brought forth. and the you know interactions with her and Christina and then just sharing about their story and so we've actually decided to split this this episode this subject into two parts and so for this first part you'll hear a lot more about Shanice and Christina's story right about how they met and her yeah Shanice's experiences being in a mono-ethnic church culture to a multi-ethnic church culture and I think the following week we'll get into more practically answering that big question of yeah why is having multi-ethnic friendships so important and what's the benefit of that? So I'm so excited for all of you guys to just hear everything that Shanice has been learning and processing through. And I hope that you guys will enjoy this conversation that we're about to have. Okay, 
Okay, guys, so I'm so excited for today's episode because we are joined by one of my dear friends, Shanice. We've been friends for, I don't even know how long it's been, almost five years. That's actually crazy. But yeah, Shanice, why don't you introduce yourself? Maybe say, obviously, we know your name, but where you're located and what you're up to right now. And yeah, that's all the listeners need to know for now. And then we'll dive into our conversation. Okay. Um, I'm Shanice, like we mentioned. <laughs> um, I am currently in the Baltimore area, but like in the suburbs of the Baltimore area. Um, and currently I am writing slash creating content and being an independent contractor, which has been an adventure. <laughs> Very cool. And you guys, Shanice is honestly one of the coolest people that I know. So I just think it's like so huge that she's on our show today. So before we dive into our topic, we're going to do a fun icebreaker question as we normally do. So Shanice, I wanted to ask you, what is something about you that people would be surprised to know? Okay, so I feel like most people would be surprised to know that when I was younger, I really wanted to be a singer slash <laughs> performer. And I feel oh like gosh. surprised to know that because I'm actually quite reserved. <laughs> mm. um, but I don't know. It was like a childhood dream. I would like write songs and like Aww. record them and kind of like I play the piano when I was younger, too. So like I would try to like write sheet music and do things like that. Um, oh my gosh but as I got older it's got it kind of, serious <laughs> I wanted to be like a music producer too so like I wanted to make like hip-hop beats and then I wanted to rap there we go it was just like so many different things oh but like <laughs> I have a oh super man, life. That. <laughs> wait that's so cool <laughs> so yes. yeah Lindsay and I like when my parents would like leave for like whatever errands or whatever and I was in charge the house would turn into like a music video set and we just like record each other and like that's beautiful that was what we did as children (laughs) i'm i'm curious was there like a dream artist you wanted to collab with you know as you thought about or producer or label even as you're thinking about it Mm, uh i feel like i really wanted to work with either like missy elliott or for i feel like they were just very they just were, could do so many different things like musically and they'd worked with so many different artists and their like catalogs were so like vast and they just did different genres and styles and I was interested in a lot of different things so like yeah those two for sure were like my my favorites <laughs> I know I feel like people sleep on Pharrell's producing like I think I feel sad that this man is known only for happy and I'm like he does so much uh, so I mean not that it's a bad song I, I know he has other hits but I'm like this he does he does a lot so yeah yeah Zach I pose the question to you yes no I was maybe my like nerdiness has kind of come out in other episodes so I don't know if, if, if this is necessarily like surprising that people might know but I'm actually a really avid action figure collector Ooh. so I yeah so mostly Star Wars and Marvel figures but yeah I think it started maybe 2015 or so I mean actually it started way earlier and then due to some my my toy collection got thrown out when I was really young and it was quite sad and traumatizing but I feel like it's recapitulated later and now yeah I like 
still like yeah love collecting figures I'm a, I'm a box opener so i know some people like they collect figures and leave them in the box like as mint or whatever which is i just don't understand that like the point of it is to play with them and to tell stories and so i always love i never got into stop motion or animation necessarily but when i go back home or you know and wherever i'm at i like to collect and recreate scenes from the movies you know or you know maybe i didn't get it you know this is how i think i could have done things better and so yeah i'm i love i love collecting and yeah today as we're recording it's may the fourth day so yeah it's star wars day so i was <laughs> trying to lock in some pre-orders for some clone trooper figures just earlier today so oh my god the train just keeps rolling with it but yeah <laughs> wow okay i feel like i did know this about you but it's good that you bring it up again i flush um... it out in more detail yeah. <laughs> more than you wanted maybe but you know and I'll quickly go. Yeah, I mean, like, this is the first thing that came to my head. And it's maybe in reference to people who meet me for the first time or don't know me super well. I think they're like super shocked to know that I'm actually the sassiest human alive, which you listeners have experienced a little bit on this podcast so far. But yeah, people that I meet for the first time, they're like, oh my gosh, you're so sweet and so innocent and all of this. And I mean, Sure, I can be sweet and innocent, but once I'm like really comfortable with you, all of the sassy comments are unleashed and some people are really shocked by that. And you're a true friend if you can handle the sassiness. So that's how I would answer the question. Okay, so we're gonna quickly pivot. Obviously today's topic is really important and it's on multi-ethnic friendships. But before we dive into that specific type of friendship where Shanice and I, we're just going to talk about how we met. So Shanice, do you want to um, share how we met and I can fill in the gaps if need be? So I can't remember our first conversation. I feel like it was all kind of a blur. Um, yeah. but we were in 2016, we were both going to South Africa on a missions trip. It was your second time, I think. It was my first time in the country. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we like met on that trip. We weren't serving on the same campus because there was two different campuses to serve on. But I think we just connected like during like downtime and like working, doing homework and things like that for the student. Um, I think our friendship also grew a lot more after that trip during like frequent visits to Cornell where you would host and we would get brunch and all of those like fun things. But I think our friendship has like reached a different level recently just with the pandemic and we've become like work buddies. So we see each other like every week and you moved to Boston, even though I moved away from Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I like, I see you a lot more now through like different avenues because you joined Aletheia Church, which is um, also where I used to go. um, And you're a part of my community group. So I get to see you there too, so. I think that's that's it. (laughs) Did I miss anything? I don't think so. That was basically how we became friends. Yeah, I'm so grateful for our friendship. I think that South Africa trip that we were on, there were just so many people on that trip. 
So I think it was just a bit overwhelming at first in terms of making those new connections, but I'm so glad that we connected so well and that there were just so many moments where we just laughed our heads off over the most random things. But yeah, it's just really sweet to be in Boston, a city that you love so much and hold so dearly. I was just gonna say, one of the things I love about the story is, I, yeah, maybe this is something unique to, I don't know, maybe certain Christian, uh, you know, kind of sending out of, like, uh, you know, mission trips, but they, there's always this joke, and I'm sure it's not just, you know, Christian mission trips, but like, oh, if you go on a mission trip, you might find your future spouse or, you know, future oh my whatever, and, I, and I'm like, I think you guys just jump a few steps. Like you might just find a really good lifelong friend and like, that's a good and beautiful thing. So I just love that out of this, it was like, hey, we we, we were friends. And yeah, I think maybe, maybe if they advertise it that way, more people would. Because <laughs> mm. I, you know, for me, I'm like, friends, that sounds great. I'd love to, I'd love to, get, some, I'd love to get some of those. So maybe, not that that mm. should be the reason why you join, obviously. <laughs> I just love that story and just the ways you guys remain connected after it, which is so good. That's really funny. I feel like literally that is how they like describe the South African trip. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did walk out of that trip with lots of friends that I oh, so good. like really yeah. good lifelong friends. We had a little mini reunion in the fall and yeah. see, just see everybody again. Um, yeah. Yeah, so go on mission trips for the friendships, not the possibility of meeting your future spouse, because that is ridiculous. I hate it when people say that. Like, why do romantic relationships trump friendships? That's mm. another. Anyways. Into that, I'm sure, <laughs> on a future episode, yeah. but yes. So yeah, we're going to talk about ethnicity and culture and all of the things associated with that. So, Shanice, what is your ethnic background? And when did you first become aware of your own ethnicity? Yeah, um, so I'm Caribbean, um, or otherwise known as West Indian. I don't know if that's like politically correct, um, but more specifically, I'm Afro and Chinese Guyanese um, on my mom's side. My grandfather, he's half Chinese. Um, but I think I identify obviously more with my black heritage um, for obvious reasons. Yeah, when did I become aware of that? Um, I feel like I was aware of my ethnicity from a very young age. I don't know exactly when, um, but I think Caribbean people are very proud. <laughs> so I think it was just something that we just took a lot of pride in um, and just celebrated that. Um, yeah, I think it was just from a very young age, I was aware. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I think also just, yeah, so I moved around a lot. So I think that was like always a question, something that was top of mind for me, just like, who am I was like a question that I thought about a lot when I moved, I first moved to Canada when I was eight years old. And like, that was something I had to like, bring up um, in conversation when I was with just like other students, and they would ask the question, like, where are you from? And like, people would try to like figure out who you were based on like how you looked and things like that. That also brought like a greater awareness too. Mm. Thanks for sharing all of that, Shanice. So I guess my follow-up question to that is growing up, what was your experience? Like, did you come, do you grow up in a pretty diverse community or a pretty homogenous community? What did that look like? 
Yeah, um, I definitely came from a pretty heterogeneous background. So Guyana is actually racially heterogeneous. Um, so there's people groups from Africa, from India, from China, from Portugal, and then like Native American, uh, Native people, <laughs> not Native American. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's like a range of racial diversity, I guess. And so I saw that. I saw that when I was very young. Um, and then Canada, I think, where I moved after living in Guyana, um, is also pretty racially diverse. I moved to Toronto and there are just a lot of immigrant communities there. So I think just having those two different backgrounds, like I was just used to seeing people of like all different races and like going to school with people who didn't look exactly like me, but we like just still were able to connect. Like I think that was something that I, I knew of at a young age. Mm, that's really cool how you experienced that from like such a young age. Yeah, I think for me growing up, so I grew up in New York City in Queens, which is already very diverse, but I did grow up going to an Indian church. And I think because of that, I would say that growing up, um, yeah, everyone around me basically looked like me. And I don't know, it was just very interesting. I feel like even though everyone looked like me, I still felt like I didn't really fit in because I think, I don't know, I never felt Indian enough to be part of the Indian community. And I always looked towards people who were different from me because I think I just liked connecting with people who are not part of my ethnic group. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Looking back to that time, I think there was definitely some sense of shame in who I was. And I don't think I fully embraced my ethnic background until more recently. But we can get into more of that later on in our conversation. What about you, Zach? Yeah, no, I was gonna say I yeah, I think it's really cool, Shanice, that you were like in a community. And even though you there was that traveling aspect where you, yeah, were able to just be exposed to that and kind of come to terms with your own even yeah own ethnic identity because yeah I think growing up lived in California for the first six years of my life and for my parents it was, and well, I'm sure we'll get into this more but ethnicity was very much tied with religion for me I think and so it was the Chris you know the yeah kind of even what you were saying with the Christina the church I attended was a Korean church and so it was I think in hindsight it was hard like I didn't really know what was like what was Korean and what was Christian, it was all uniquely this kind of, you know, intrinsically woven together. And so that was the way I knew how to do church. You know, this is how I knew certain customs and traditions. When I was six, we moved because, uh, because my dad was teaching at, gonna teach at Wheaton College for a little bit. We, yeah, we moved to Illinois and all of my friends, you know, the people around me were all Caucasian, were all white. And so, even in just seeing church and dynamics there, it was just always, it was always so shocking because I was like, wow, like I didn't know sermons could only be 20 minutes. And that, like, you know, in the Korean church, I'm just used to these like hour plus, you know, we're staying up to the middle of the night, but everything seems so regimented here. Or, you know, why are, why are they serving, you know, just casseroles upon casseroles after <laughs> service when, I'm like, where's the Korean food at, you know? And so it was, it was this funny, I think that's when I realized like, oh, what I experienced wasn't all that there is, that the, that there's more, yeah. And it's, you know, I, I don't really remember my 
zero to six years super well, right? But I just, I think from what I can remember is that it wasn't a predominantly Korean American, you know, or Korean immigrant setting. And so it was definitely, mm. it went from being purely pretty homogenous, I'd say, to, you know, there's a paucity actually of other Koreans nearby in the area. So that was a pretty jarring transition, I have to say. That was, that was interesting. Mm. So that's kind of what forced me, I think, to like, I think, come to terms with my own ethnicity and ethnic background. Zach, I did not know that you lived in California. I thought you were just in Chicago your entire life. I'd like to give off that impression, you know? I think there's some shame with West Coast associates. I'm just kidding. I love my West Coast <laughs> friends and people, but <laughs> I just, I think there's some, I don't know, there's some, I think there's like a, a I feel like seasons build character. And if you're only in a place that's sunny all the time, I'm like, you have character. That's, uh, maybe this is best off record thoughts, but it's, maybe. <laughs> you just see my biases <laughs> that come through. In it, but, oh my god! Yeah, no, I, it's good. I, I have a, I have a, I have a love for the West Coast and the, you know, I think big, vibrant Asian American community specifically. That's often mm -hmm. find the heart a little bit in the Midwest. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on to our next question. So, Shanice, you mentioned how you grew up in a pretty diverse community, but I guess my question to you is: Did you ever intentionally seek a community with people who looked more like you? or did you appreciate the diverse community? Yeah, what was your experience just navigating that as you got older? Mm. Um, I feel like I didn't intentionally look for it when I was younger. It just sort of happened based off of like the places that I grew up in and the people that just were around. Like, I feel like I just connected to people based off like personality and like mutual interests and like things like that. And I was interested in a lot of different things at that time and just mm. still now. Um, but I feel like it became more intentional when I moved to a place like Boston because like Boston is a very white city. Um, yeah, and, <laughs> and I feel like I, I didn't notice it immediately. I feel like people kind of warned me about it. Like I moved from New Jersey to Boston and like people were like, oh, Boston. And everyone would like quote like the little pock the car or like whatever. And like, just like have that whole like stereotype. The <laughs> <laughs> um, but, point, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it became more obvious when I needed to like do things like get my hair done and I couldn't find a salon mm. that, or like wanted to find food that reminded me of home because I was homesick so like I think I wasn't aware of it until I started like looking for like pieces that reminded me of home and like that's mm. oh wow like this is like a totally different space and it became even more obvious I think when I left school and I was just more a part of like Boston community and like people who came to Boston just for school had moved away and it was like who was left <laughs> mostly white people and that's that's great but it was just like something that I became more aware of after mm -hmm. like after university yeah and I think I became more like of something I sought out intentionally um with like my church community or yeah like just looking for people who could help me find people to do my hair or just like yeah I think God did a good thing of like like helping me find people that I could like navigate that space with that were people of color um but like I do think that I had not looked for it intentionally until I had to or like I was brought mm. to like, a breaking point I guess 
Mm. Yeah. But I feel like we should probably go back to like something that Christina was sharing about like feeling shame. Mm. I don't know. I think I, I think also even just like in church community, like that became something that was like an awakening that happened, which is like random like experiences that like reminded me that I wasn't like everyone there. Um, mm. There was like an underlying like culture that was at play that I didn't notice till like something would happen. Like basically like someone would say something that I would feel othered or like, um, mm. and it wouldn't be like intentional, but it would just be like something that I either didn't relate to or like, this is an experience that feels foreign to me. Like, and I think that was like the little internal wrestlings that I would have that would remind me that, oh wait, like the way that I'm used to like interacting or even like worshiping is a little different than like what mm. I'm encountering here. I don't know. I think I did feel like some sort of shame, but also like there was like, I guess a little bit of righteous like defiance, like this is not right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That made me think like, what would you remember maybe, <clears throat> I don't know, more tangibly, like the moment when you felt that? Because yeah, I think it can feel so awkward and weird from like, this is what's true. This is what you know. This is how you feel seen. And then when you enter into a space when it's not that and that contrast can often feel really jarring you know and like make you question a lot because there's a majority at play right like oh this is what I don't know this is how we practice our faith this is what we this is what's the standard is and when it's not met to a standard it can feel really yeah just frustrating yeah and jarring too mm. I don't know um this is gonna probably get like a little awkward but I feel like there yeah, are experiences where like I felt like I wasn't an individual like sometimes mm. there were moments where like I was confused for someone else who was also black by someone mm. that, I thought that like I lived with so that they should know exactly who I am but like it was like oh wait you don't know who I am like I'm just like one of people that look like this like it just felt like very like hurtful and like I don't know I feel like those are like moments where I was like more aware of like oh there's like some sort of blind spot here or there's like there's something that's off here um mm. yeah and then I think like on a less painful like <laughs> um aspect there were just like moments where like just worship experience was just different I think I didn't notice it till like so like Boston the way that crew is set up there are different hubs and like I think for better or for worse they're just like certain schools that just have their crew movement has more diversity than other like the other hubs and I remember going to one that wasn't my like usual like crew large group meeting and just being shocked that they were playing like gospel music and like feeling mm. very like at home in that and like knowing that if I was to go to like my normal crew large group like it would be like an acoustic set or like which is fine it would be like Chris Tomlin but like <laughs> it's just different fine. <laughs> different <laughs> um so I think moments like that too like also like made me more aware that like oh this there's like a there's like a culture that's at play here there's like something that's normal for like this space that like when that I noticed that when something that's not that pops up like I, it, it's noticeable yeah so interesting that you mentioned that. I feel like as you were talking, I was just reminded of some things. Um, yeah, I think 
my experience with the Indian church and then moving on to a more um, multi-ethnic Christian community. I feel like since we previously brought up shame, I think because of the shame that I experienced growing up in the Indian church, which I experienced for a variety of reasons, I think because of that, I created this distance between myself and the Indian church. And I mean, like once I started going to Cornell, I started going to a more multi-ethnic church and it was definitely like a very American church. And I was just like, wow, this is so much better than the Indian church. And I think I just kind of subconsciously accepted that as like the right way to worship and praise God. And that's honestly so sad because I think I wasn't fully embracing the way that God has made me. And yeah, I don't know. There were like so many years where I just ended up focusing on the brokenness of my own culture and creating this distance between myself and the Indian community and just like kind of conform to the ways of American Christianity, basically. And that's really sad because, I mean, God's family is multi-ethnic and I think it's only been recently when I realized that wow, each culture worships God differently. And that's actually something that's so beautiful and something that we need to think through and talk through more. So yeah, Shanice, as you were sharing about like the different types of worship at crew meetings, I think like that's so true. Like some people are used to gospel music, some people are used to hymns and we shouldn't stick to one form or think that one form is better than the other. Because I mean, there's so many different ways to worship God. I don't know, I have so many thoughts in my head, but that's basically a couple of the things that I've been thinking through. I feel like you are, like when you bring up like the idea of like shame, like it just reminds me of being younger and like when I first moved to Canada and like, I didn't realize I was different until someone told me I was different. Like, mm. like, why do you talk like that? And like, I didn't realize that I talked any differently than the other kids because you don't hear yeah. your own like, accent. Like, I feel like that was the first time that I became aware of that and also kind of ashamed of that. And like, mm -hmm. I like basically, I would intentionally practice like the Canadian, like the Toronto accent so that by next year, like I did not have any trace of accent and knowing oh. that I wasn't oh. from there. Like that was like something I did to like, I don't know if it was like a survival it might have been like a survival tactic I guess I really wish I didn't do that but like I feel like at the time I felt like that was something that I needed to do and I think when you're a kid you like really just want to fit in and belong but yeah like that was that's like one of my more like distinct memories and then I think yeah I think I also just like realized more difference when I moved to the, like America because I think the thing that I kind of like connected with most people with in Canada was a lot of us were like first generation kids and like mm -hmm. our parents were all like immigrants like <laughs> and like we were different races and different like nationalities and things like that but we all pretty much had like strict parents <laughs> that really mm -hmm. valued education and like yeah I just think that we that was like what I connected with a lot of my friends around and like found like similarities through that but when I moved to America, I, I feel like I noticed that people more like connected over like race and like that was something that was like very shocking to me when I first saw that and it might also be like a product of like the town that I moved to. I moved to a very white New Jersey suburb and mm. 
even just the way that the town is set up, like all of the people of color are like in like where they lived was just like the outskirts of the town and like the rich, like the middle class <laughs> was like in the middle of the town. And like, yeah, I think when I first like moved and I like looked around and like was trying to figure out where I fit, I think yeah. felt more embraced by black people but it felt weird still because it was like why are we only connecting over this like this is a little weird (laughs) Um, but I also didn't want to like not make friends right like Mm. like it just felt like that just I just became more hyper aware of like me being a black person and like I would always been like aware that I'm a black person obviously but I don't think that it became that big of a part of my identity until I moved to New Jersey and like Mm. yeah it was it was it was interesting (laughs) and that might have to do with like the history of the country right and like just the politics yeah Yeah. that's so good okay guys i hope you enjoyed the first part to um this episode where we just navigate the topic of multi-ethnic friendships Um, I know we touched on a lot, even though this is just the first part of the episode. So I hope that before we release the second part that you guys just like sit with some of the things that you heard, maybe like reflect on your own um, cultural and ethnic journey, because I think that's always really rewarding, sometimes hard, but overall rewarding. Um, So yeah, with that, I just want to thank Shanice again um, for just all of her insight and all of the things that she shared in this first part of the episode. And as always, thank you, Sidney, for the jingle at the beginning. Um, But until next time, happy happy sipping sipping friends. friends.